buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm super pumped up today. Uh, I've got Jonathan Mahan on, and we're going to talk about his own uh, sales transformation, as well as the fantastic work that him and Jordana are doing over at Practice Lab. Jonathan was a, an introverted, introverted uh, science nerd from Colorado who somehow wound up making a living as a sales practitioner. Throughout his career, he has regularly engaged in deliberate practice to improve his sales skills, and that's something that we're definitely going to cover today. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on, Colin. Yeah, awesome. I'm really pumped up to have this conversation. Um, ever since Jordana uh, told me about what you guys are doing over at Practice Lab, I've, I've been a big supporter, and I know that we're going to get to that. But before we do, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, where did your sales career start? Where did you, you know, t- give me your sales story. <laughs> I think it's probably all too familiar to a lot of folks in sales. Uh, I got a college degree uh, in natural resource management, right? So I spent most of my childhood interested in the sciences, particularly particularly natural sciences. I uh, got out of college, quickly realized there was no jobs in that field, and the jobs there were didn't pay worth anything. So I just got a sales job temporarily, just hold me over until I could find something in my, you know, my real job in my real profession. Um, and, and then I got another sales job and another and another and another. And here we are, you know, eight years later and I'm still in sales and there's still no jobs and natural resources. <laughs> That's certainly not that'll pay anything like what sales does. So, um, it definitely wasn't every, anything I ever expected, right? You know, I, I grew up very introverted. I wasn't necessarily shy that I couldn't talk to people. I just wasn't very good at it. Didn't really have a lot of interest in it. So it didn't really bother. So I didn't have, you know, the best conversational skills for sure. So I never would have imagined myself in a, you know, a customer facing role and certainly not one where, you know, you know, persuasion and charisma are needed and all these things, right? These were never my natural skill sets. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what were you selling when you first got in and was that, you know, how awkward was that from, you know, just kind of, you know, even just what you had in your bio and what you went to school for, like getting a sales job clearly wasn't the plan. Um, but that's the way things went and you've stuck with it. But just take me back to like that first sales experience and what it was like for you. <laughs> yeah, it was um, door to door and it was like a summer job. That was the very beginning. Um, 
And then my first like full-time job after college was in retail sales, right? So I like sold cell phones at Verizon. Um, but that door-to-door role was interesting. I think in some ways it's a great way to start sales because it forces you yeah. to build that emotional resilience real freaking fast. Um, and then from there, everything else, you know, you can power through once you've had to get that emotional resilience of walking through the heat for six hours in the summer, getting doors slammed in your face and all sorts of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that was my start door to door and it was, it was definitely, definitely rough. Um, I think I mostly just survived because I was so dang persistent, you know, <laughs> like I was able to just power through and keep talking. Even when people were clearly showing me signals, they wanted me to shut up. I just kept going <laughs> and eventually enough people said, yes, I hit my numbers and, and made it, had a go, made a go of it, I guess. I'm always super intrigued by people who start off in door to door sales. I feel like if you can survive that as a sales job, uh, you can you you can you're clearly cut out for this profession, and you can you know you can make a career out of it if if you get through that, which I think a lot of people probably don't. Uh, a lot of people probably quit early on where they're just like this is you know they have that experience in door to door sales and they're like sales is not for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said certainly nothing I would want to go back and do again. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, um, what is it about sales that, you know, you just kind of stuck with it, even though it was kind of very polar opposite to what you maybe thought you were going to be doing? I think the thing that held me in and helped me do well is that, you know, with my interest in science, um, I was very interested in psychology from high school on through college and was just a avid learner in anything involving how the human mind worked. Right. You know, there were, you know, psychology courses I took in high school and college. And then even after graduation, I was continually consuming books um, about just how the human mind works. I found it truly, truly mm. fascinating and still do to this day, right? Like that is the part of sales I, I like the most. So, you know, when I first started realizing as a salesperson that people's perception of what I'm saying varies greatly based on the exact word choice I use, that was really interesting. So I started experimenting with, what if I say it this way? And what if I say it this way? What if I say it this way? And seeing the markedly different outcomes I got based on how I said it and the words I chose was very interesting, right? And it did kind of satisfy a bit of that scientific mind that I have of testing and experimenting and coming up with theories and hypotheses and mental models that I work with and then testing out those models in real life to see how they play out, right? And then just kind of continually learning uh, uh, as I went. And it gave me a really fun field to play and to practice, right? So, you know, um, I would read a book, let's say Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely, right? Talks about all sorts of, you know, shortcuts and we'll say failings of the human mind. I would read that book in the evenings mm -hmm. and be like, that's fascinating. Next day I'd go into work and try it out and try, you know, pitching this screen protector for this phone or pitching this, you know, unlimited data bundle deal in a different way and just see how it worked. Right. So I think that's what held me into it, that I found some enjoyment. And then again, I think that's the piece that allowed me to be good at it, even though I'm not naturally the best people person. Um, it was that focus on psychology and the human mind that helped. Wow. That's super interesting. So you almost, it's almost like you turned sales into your own little science experiment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's what that's what's allowed me to stick with it this long. Honestly, um, I I don't I don't think sales is still the best fit for me. Right? It's okay, but it's certainly not a perfect fit for me. Um, and especially like the focus in sales about like short term goals and numbers and all this stuff. Um, it, 
it's just, I get burnt out on that, right? So the way I have been able to stay in sales and keep myself reasonably healthy mentally is just by focusing on honing my craft and improving my art and learning more and getting better. And like, that's the ultimate goal, the ultimate vision. That's why I show up day after day is to become a better salesperson. Sometimes I have good quarters. Sometimes I have bad quarters. At some companies, I'm top of the charts. At some companies, I'm middle of the pack, right? That all stuff changes. But like throughout all of it, I'm just continually focused on becoming better. And that gives me this like, you know, greater purpose to my work other than just, I got to hit a number this quarter. And then next quarter starts and all of that doesn't matter anymore. And I'm back to zero, right? That mentality isn't really healthy for me. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy for sellers to get caught up in that that mentality of right yeah. you know and i even my even even my own personal journey in sales early on um you know i, I had a hard time not tying my self-worth to my number you know and yeah. i think a lot of sellers struggle with that and that's how they burn out give up on the sales as a profession entirely um or even just maybe stick with it but have a really hard time yeah yeah, there's a lot about sales cultures, sales structures, sales norms, starting right up at the top at leadership and even above them to the CEO level, which um, leads to poor mental health, leads to burnout, leads to a lot of unhappiness um, for salespeople. So we all, I think, have to find our own ways to <laughs> cope and survive in what is oftentimes an unhealthy structure around us. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like you found kind of what drove you in sales, right? Like, not everybody, you know, I, I just had a, a great conversation with Kevin Dorsey um, and he's got a very interesting, unpopular opinion about commissions and whether salespeople are actually money motivated or not. And there's actually, you know, a lot of uh, data, according to him, that, that very few people actually are money motivated. And everybody thinks like salespeople are money motivated or have to be money motivated or need to be money motivated. Um, but it sounds like you found what motivated you, which was like that constantly testing and trying new things that got you better at your craft and profession on sales, right? Like reading these books and then implementing them and trying these different experiments and practicing them is what sort of drove you uh, to success in your sales roles. Yeah. No, I, I, I've never heard KD talk about that, but um, I'm assuming I would probably align very much with his perspective there. Uh, the idea that the only way to get people to work hard and do their best is to put them in a position where they can't pay their bills if they don't, right? Where they're worried about their financial safety. And that's the only way you can get them to work hard. It's a very, very outdated model of how to motivate people and how to get the best out of people. So yeah, I personally don't think salespeople should have commissions myself, or at least that should be a small part of their pay, right? You know, like a 75, 25, 80, 20, maybe even 90, 10 split rather than the traditional 50, 50 we see out there today. But that is uh, a rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't know if we want to go down right now. Yeah. You, you will want to, you you'll want to check out the episode with KD because, um, I was definitely on the fence about it, but if you're on the fence about it at all, he, he makes a good case that I could not think of anything to defend it. And there's some very valid points in there. Um, and there is like comp plans for the very small percentage of unique individuals that are money motivated, right? Cause those people do exist and they do perform well, but it's far less than what most people think. And to your point there, you know, talking about, you know, motivating people through money and, you know, basically only paying them enough money to barely survive and be stressed out. It has the exact opposite effect that 
these sales bosses are hoping for. It stresses them out and they don't perform because they're so stressed out about their situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, fear has a really strong physiologic effect on the human brain right? When you're in a place of fear and self-preservation, you don't think as clearly. Your frontal cortex does not operate as quickly. You get much more pushed into that fight or flight, more emotion-driven mode, just because, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution have, have pushed us to operate that way. And in a sales environment, you really, really need your frontal cortex to be functioning optimally. And the best way to get that brain to function and to be able to think clearly and make good decisions is to be in a state of relaxation and calm, which is really hard to get to when you're in a comp structure that says, hey, buddy, you're about to lose $3,000 in the ability to pay your mortgage if this deal goes south. You're going to be in a state of fear, right? And you're not going to function as well. So yes, absolutely. Mm. I will be checking out that episode <laughs> with KD. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm curious of when you, and I don't know if this is the right word, but I, I feel like it is here. When did you get obsessed with practice? Like, did you read something that sort of inspired it or is it just your fascination with like human psychology? Um, when did you get so fascinated with practice? It, uh, it's happened over the course of a few years. Um, I think it started back in maybe 2019 that I first started using practice as a sales professional. Um, and you know, recently resurged maybe, uh, within the last year or so. Um, but I think really what I started to realize as I was in sales management, leading a team was that traditional views is that your salespeople just need to work harder. They just need to try harder. They just need to care more. Let's give them spiffs. Let's give them incentives. Let's put them on pips. But the idea was all we need to do is push harder on them so that they push harder on themselves and they deliver more outcomes. But I started to realize maybe people are doing the best they can know how to do. Maybe with their given knowledge, their given skill set, their given, you know, mental mm. abilities and verbal abilities, et cetera, maybe this is the best they can do. In which case, you know, putting more incentives, more uh, pressure in the form of pips, more spiffs isn't really going to help anything. So then I started asking myself, okay, well, maybe if people are doing the best they can do, how do you improve performance? Well, it's to help them improve their skill set. So I kind of shifted out of thinking that it's all about hustle and willpower and motivation and more into you can only deliver what you're capable of delivering, right? And if you want to improve results, you need to become more skilled. You need to become more knowledgeable. You need to become just better at your craft, right? And that kind of started bringing into me these ideas of thinking of other professionals and how they got to the tops of their game, right? Obviously, athletes come to mind, musicians come to mind, actors come to mind. But honestly, I think like improv comedians and martial artists are even better analogies to salespeople. But in all these disciplines, mm. people, you know, you, you don't expect to do better in a martial arts competition just by trying harder, right? If you want to do better in a martial arts competition, yeah. you practice, you learn skills, you do all sorts of stuff. But you don't just show up and try harder, right? Because you can only do as well as you know how to do. So it started in 2019, and I think it really blossomed in me when I started a new job. So I started a new job in March of 2021. And like most people starting a new job, I had big ambitions, wanted to crush it, wanted to be the top guy in the sales team. And I said, okay, if I'm going to be top guy, I can't just show up as the me I am now and try harder. I need to actually improve myself and become better, more skilled, more talented. So I started reading books about specifically how people reach 
the highest levels of achievement. There's a book called Peak, and there's a book called The Talent Code, which is really the backbone of how I think about my own personal development now in sales. And both those books are by folks who have spent decades studying top performers, again, musicians, martial artists, athletes, etc., and figuring out what helps them get to the top of their game. And as I read those books and looked at my own experience as a salesperson, I realized there is n almost no overlap between how these masters become, you know, at the top of their game in these other disciplines and how salespeople are expected to train and improve, right? Like for some reason, the, the science of human development mm -hmm. improvement has kept out of the sales profession. Um, and we're still working on horribly antiquated, outdated models of how to improve performance. So yeah, it really took off when I read those books uh, earlier this year. Wow. Wow. I mean, you've, I'm just super fascinated with these, these books that you've read. I'm definitely gonna have to check some of these out because I'm, I'm super curious now. And so just when you transitioned to that new, new role and sort of reading these books, um, is that when it sort of clicked like, Oh, you know, salespeople need to be practicing like everybody else and every other thing that they ever want to be good at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was kind of an interesting experience too. So I'm starting a new job. I'm reading these books. Simultaneous to that, I'm going through onboarding, right? Part of my onboarding is taking mm -hmm. the company sales training, right? Where I'm going through, I'm watching videos, stuff like that. And the company actually did a pretty good job of teaching some really good material, right? As far as how effective mm -hmm. good selling is done. A lot of the stuff that I would consider true in how to sell well was in fact in the sales training. It's probably the best sales training I've ever been through at a company. Simultaneous to that, I was watching recordings of my colleagues on calls, right? To see how, how mm -hmm. they were doing it. And it was really interesting where on one given morning, I would watch a video in my training about what kind of discovery questions to ask and how to position our product. And then I would watch gong calls and see absolutely none of those behaviors exhibited. And every single day I had the same experience where I'd spend the morning watching training videos. I'd spend an hour in the afternoon watching gong calls. And there was complete total mismatch between what was being trained and what was being done. And I realized that even in my, my own life, I'd experienced that, right? I'm a pretty avid reader. So I read a lot of different sales books and I listen to a lot of different sales podcasts. You know, I've, mm -hmm. for example, I've read and reread Spin Selling a number of times. I think it's a fantastic book. Yet, if you were to watch my discovery calls and kind of keep tally of how many situation, problem, impact, need, payoff questions I was asking, it would be pretty low, <laughs> you know? So I realized, yeah. hang on, knowing something intellectually and understanding it and being able to actually pull it off on the fly in a real sales call when time is ticking, when emotions are running high, when everything's at stake, being able to actually like find the right wording and hear the right cues and think about the, where to take the conversation and deliver it with the right tone, like all these things are very much skills that have to be practiced. And again, you can't just use willpower to force yourself to do these things well. You either have the skill because you've done the practice or you don't. So I said, okay, well, I want to spend a lot of my time focused on gaining those skills in advance of my sales calls, outside of my sales calls, so that when my sales call actually comes, I can deliver on that behavior because I've practiced it in advance. So that's when I started doing some practice-related mm -hmm. stuff at my own company, which is kind of the precursors to the practice lab. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the key right there, I think, is people needing to understand that knowing something versus, you know, being able to actually do it, being able to actually execute it are two totally different things, right? Yeah. And 
I mean, if knowing things was enough, then coaches would just, you know, talk at their players and there would be no practice. Right? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's, it's interesting because it seems like it's such a simple concept, but like, why is nobody doing this? I think it's, um, I think it's the mechanics, right? People haven't yet figured out how to practice these skills and develop these skills. It's interesting. So right now, you know, I'm very much a big advocate for salespeople in practicing. Some of that involves what traditionally has been called role play in the past. Some of it goes beyond that. Um, but for like the first four to six years of my selling career, I freaking hated role playing. I never did role playing. When I was, you know, managing Verizon stores, I never had my team do role plays. I hated them. They hated them. I thought they were a waste of time, right? Because there, of course, is a massive difference between a real sales conversation and a real prospect and you and your manager talking back and forth, making up scenarios, pretending to be prospects and stuff, right? Um, so it felt to me, right. you know, in the past, like all the role, you know, doing role play, you could become an expert at role play and still suck on the floor, right? Or in real sales calls, because those are fundamentally two different worlds, two different environments. The rules of the game are different, right? Again, you could become a role play expert and still be terrible on the floor and vice versa. So I never bothered with traditional role plays. And I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in the same place where they feel like these skills that you need to be good at selling can't be practiced outside a real sales call because it's impossible to manufacture an environment to practice them in outside a real sales call. Um, and I think that's just an accepted limitation that people say, yeah, you just can't do it, right? It has to be has to be real. It has to be a real objection from a real buyer on a real sale. Role-playing doesn't help. But kind of the breakthrough for me was when I started hosting podcasts. I think this is probably a big thing that kind of pushed me down the path I'm on right now. I started hosting, hosting podcasts for reasons completely unrelated to sales. Total side mm -hmm. project, side hobby, etc. What I noticed within a few months of doing these podcasts is that I was getting a hell of a lot better on my discovery calls. I was better at listening. I was better mm -hmm. at asking questions. I was better at doing that interesting dance where you have to simultaneously hold on to a question that you want to ask them later while also keeping your mind open to maybe change course and, and ignore that question. This beautiful mesh of like flexibility while still holding to a general roadmap. Like those were really difficult skills that I'd never really mastered in the discovery call. But as I started becoming a podcast host, I started learning those skills and suddenly my sales calls started getting better. That was the big aha moment for me where I went, hey, wait a minute. You can learn these basic fundamental neurological brain skills outside of the environment of a real sales call, but they're still transferable, right? In the same way that there's no football player out there who ever lifts a heavy bar above their chest in a football game, and yet every football player still does bench presses because those muscles that they, you know, pick up doing bench presses are useful in the game, right? You know, in my sales podcast, I'm asking, or I'm sorry, my podcast, I was asking questions of guests, having conversations completely unrelated to sales. Literally, I can tell you there's not a single question I asked to my podcast guests that I asked in discovery call. However, that same muscle was being worked of curiosity, of listening, of forming good questions, of controlling the direction and conversation of the call, all these things that you need to be good at sales. So I think that might be the barrier for people, right? They don't know how to practice mental brain skills. Um, and, you know, to be honest, that's something I'm still figuring out, right? I've, I've had my first aha moment, but uh, there's still, I'm sure, many more aha moments ahead of me that I haven't come to yet as far as figuring out how to really practice these mental skills. Yeah. Wow. Now you're speaking my love language. Um, because yeah, I mean, I know you and I talked briefly too. Um, there's so many skills as a podcaster that are transferable over to 
being, you know, being in sales and yeah. you just described all of them very well. Um, and even though, especially like your podcast has nothing to do with sales, right? But all of those skills of, you know, listening better and asking better questions and curiosity and, you know, being able to drive a conversation in a particular direction, all of those are skills that will help you in any sales role. So I love that example. Um, you know, and I know that you guys are still kind of experimenting in the lab with a lot of things of like, Hey, you know, there's some skills that maybe there just isn't something that's as simple or clear cut as like, Hey, be a podcast host and run better discovery calls, you know? Um, but what skills have you guys sort of figured out? Like, Hey, there's some thing, here's some skills that sellers need and they're clearly mapped to some things that we can practice for sellers to get better at those skills that they can implement in their roles. Yeah. So some skills, I do think role play, you know, traditional role play is an appropriate vehicle um, because there are some moments in sales conversations which are relatively predictable and the way you handle them will be very similar in each case. Um, I would say a great example of this is how you open a call, right? Opening a discovery call, setting an initial agenda. That's a fairly predictable moment, and it's not going to be the same every time, but um, you can role play how you open your calls, right? Even to an extent, how you initially respond to objections. The truth is, you know, of all the objections I get, probably 80% of the objections probably fall into like four major buckets, right? The timing is right, not right, the price isn't right, and et cetera. So you can role play responses to those particular objections, and I think that's appropriate, right? Now, there are some things that don't really suit themselves to role play. I'm a firm believer that you should never role play a discovery call. Complete waste of your time. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Nobody pretending to be a prospect is going to be a believable prospect. The conversation is not going to be natural. Again, this is one of those areas where you could be a real master of role playing discovery and still suck at actually doing discovery in real life. However, one of the, again, aha moments that I've had and me and Jordana have had together is realizing that to be good at discovery, you need to be good at curiosity. You need to be good at listening. You need to be good at controlling your body language and you know, making the person feel heard by using empathy. You need to be good at asking difficult pointed questions. You need to be good at like piecing together what you're hearing and recognizing gaps so that maybe things that haven't been covered yet and were areas mm -hmm. that you should poke and prod. You need to be good at, you know, paying attention to body language and looking for emotional cues to help you understand where there might be something deeper under the surface behind that simple sentence they just gave that you should dive into. You can learn all of those skills outside of a sales context. So you can actually create exercises which aren't based on sales at all, which are just two people talking, having a conversation together along certain kind of guided perimeters, right? One person having the role of the inquirer who's doing the asking, one person having the role of the, the answerer who's kind of talking about themselves in their life. And the asker, the salesperson, can practice those same skills of asking questions, being very direct, mirroring body language, and making the person feel seen, heard, understood, and you know, really exploring a topic, and you know, the different impacts you know a person's experiencing, and the problems they're experiencing, and all these things. And it doesn't have to be sales related. So in our exercises, we may have you come into a room and just sit down, right, or you know, do a, a virtual Zoom room and say, okay questioner, find out from this person what their biggest challenge has been this quarter. Find out mm -hmm. what the underlying cause of the challenge is and find out what the impacts of the challenge are. No one's role-playing anyone. You're being your real selves, but you're just yeah. having a conversation about problems, impacts, and root causes. And by the way, that's what you're doing in the discovery call. But you don't have to be in a discovery call to practice that skill, right? You can be outside of 
that context to practice that skill and still get better at that. So, yeah. And that's got to be refreshing, right? Because I mean, sellers are in their role selling all day. Like, do they really want to go practice and pretend and play out different role playing scenarios of sales situations that are manufactured and made up, right? Um, or just have a, you know, like a real conversation in a safe place that allows them to acquire the skills that they need to then go be, you know, a better version of the self in their role. Um, this is awesome. I mean, what are, what's some of the early feedback that, you know, people that have experienced practice lab, um, are saying, and then let's just sort of you know, wrap this up. Any final thoughts and tell people where they can sign up for practice lab. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We've had a number of folks, we counted a beta test of the program for six weeks before launching it. And some folks in there were, were brand new to sales, right? And some folks in there have been doing sales for 30 years. But consistently, we kept hearing that this was actually changing their behaviors, right? Now, some of these people were using recording software and actually could capture this. And it was great to kind of watch their journey as they would send us clips of their real sales calls. Some folks, you know, were doing more in-person sales that weren't recorded, but we kept hearing the same feedback, which is, this is actually changing my selling, right? I'm actually selling better. I'm showing up, I'm bringing this into real calls and I'm seeing a difference mm -hmm. because I don't know what, you know, what listeners experiences have been, but I've been through a lot of sales trading in my life. Some of it was boring. Some of it was fascinating, but at the end of the day, I still went back to selling the same way it always sold, right? At a certain point, you know, a great speaker, a great trainer just becomes a type of entertainment, right? Where you show up, you sit there for 90 minutes, you have your mind blown with all these brilliant sales concepts and go, that's amazing. This guy's a genius. But, but my selling didn't actually change because in order to execute the things you were learning required a certain degree of skill that I had never gained. So in absence of the skill to pull off these great advanced techniques, learning about them, it was nothing but entertainment. So that's been the main feedback that people have gotten, right? It's actually impacting my selling behaviors. I've been in sales for 30 years and I've never went through training that actually changed the way I sold. And here in six weeks, you know, I've actually had my selling changed. So that's, that's been a big part of it. And again, we're looking forward to this, this first cohort that's launching, um, you know, Q1 of 2022 and beyond. It's, it's definitely a fun adventure to be on, right? We're, we're still learning a lot as we put this thing together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. I know that, um, you and Jordana have been working really hard to, to get this out to people and doing some great work. So tell folks where they can sign up for practice lab. We're going to make sure to drop that link in the show notes and thanks so much for talking about, um, you know, these, this practice, I think it's something that people are going to start talking about more. Um, and you and Jordana are doing some awesome work to, to get the word out about it. Yeah, no, simply just go to the .co. If you go to .com, you'll find something completely different. So the .co is where you want to go. Um, and you can apply there. Uh, we admit folks on an application basis, so you can just submit your application there and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work you into the next cohort. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we are also listening for your feedback. You can always go to salestransformation.fm, drop us a voice DM there, and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.